Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff East, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. After this podcast, listen for a special opportunity to learn more. Well, once again, we're here with you guys, and uh, we're here with Eric Pennington. Hello, Jeff. And uh, we have a uh, a spooky topic today. Oh my gosh, it's not Halloween, Jeff. How can that be? We're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about fear with the individual, and this is something that I wasn't thinking about until Eric told me the topic today. We're going to talk about fear in the organization. So, Eric, where did you come up with this idea? Well, here recently, we've been interacting with an organization that expressed a great deal of excitement about working with us on emotional intelligence training and, and coaching. And uh, as we've gone through uh, the process and given them some opportunities to try out uh, some of our work uh, to begin experimenting on how it could look for their organization, um, it's it's kind of ground, grinded to a halt, if you will. And, and, and certainly this episode is not about sales and how to overcome objections <laughs> or something like that. What it's designed, though, is to, at least my perspective, was trying to evaluate, well, what what's the problem? Why the halt? And as I've inquired with them, I've kind of come to the conclusion that there's a little fear about what it might do to their organization and what it might mean if they have to look at some of the things inside of the assessment work we do. So, so this fear is, is more than just we're afraid we're going to spend too much money or we're going to spend too much time. It goes deeper than that. Uh, it does. It does. And, and that's a great way to delineate between the two is that it, it's not so much about do we have the budget? Because if you really think about it, even though you might be afraid to break it to me or break it to our company, Jeff, that we just can't afford to do it this year, it's really, quite frankly, that's 
rather easy to do at the end of the day is to say, we just don't have the budget. We're going to have to wait. But I'm speaking of those things rooted in what is sometimes revealed in an assessment that might say something that we have been ignoring for a long time that we didn't want to see. Maybe it's a, how I interact with my coworkers and how I manage my emotions. Am I someone that, and we know in our world, the competencies of recognizing patterns. Do I actually know that? Am I responding or reacting? All of the things that, again, we've talked about many times in these episodes. And I think it goes to that. And as you know, Jeff, and I'm going to read a definition here in a minute, fear will make you do things that Maybe it's not necessarily the best decision. Oftentimes, okay. not the best uh, decision. Here, here's an example. Since we're talking about fear, uh, and I pulled this from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Fear is defined as an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. That sounds pretty clinical. <laughs> and it does. But let me unwrap it maybe basically. Maybe in this organization that I mentioned, it's if I have to come to terms with my deficiencies, I'm going to look weak. And I'm the one who is the fill-in-the-blank senior vice president, uh, COO, whatever you want to use. And people will think less of me. That's dangerous for a lot of people, right? So. It's kind of getting to that place of where we understand that and then trying to gauge it in such a way that we can begin to actually help them through that. And I realize until they engage with us formally, I can't help them. Um, Until they say, hey, here's where we're concerned, right? Here's what we think is a danger. I can't help them. Does that make sense? Did I frame that well, Jeff? Yeah. What are the dangers this fear might be making them dwell on or overemphasize? Well, here, here's a great example. And I, I think uh, you can go back to your memory banks and, and some of the prospective clients we've worked with. The idea is, is that, well, if we introduce this to our whole organization, are they going to actually do something with it? Or is it going to create sort of that Pandora's box where all of our stuff just comes out? And, and then maybe the classic one is that senior level manager who kind of feels that it's for my people to do, but not for me to do. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Right. And and practically speaking, and we've we've advised those folks that here's the danger in that. If your people begin to practice EQ, right? And the learnable skills within that, and you don't, there's a day of reckoning. And I, I don't want to sound too over over the top when I say that, but you can see where the disconnect comes in and where it could cause a major problem. And, and I have legitimately told prospective clients that if you actually really want to apply that strategy of where they do it and you don't, we're not the right company for you. We're probably going to do more damage than exactly. good because the, the employees are going to know all this stuff and get upset and get mad that mm-hmm. they're not being treated with what they know. And whether whether we like it or not, if we're in a position of leadership formally in this case, and if we're saying that it's not important, well, how committed do you think <laughs> your people are going to be to it? So right. it's kind of that kind of thing. But again, based from a fear perspective, the senior level leader may have a fear that if 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 I go ahead and open up my world, 
And, and it's not that they're sharing personal information, as you know, but if I have to look at some of the stuff that's difficult or look at some of the things we need to work on, well, that makes me look less than. And sometimes leaders make the mistake of believing that they need to be the smartest person in the room mm. and they have to have it all together. They have to have all of the answers. Now, everybody knows that that's not the case. However, I never forget this acronym person. Um, I think I got it right. If you take fear, first letter F, second letter E, third letter A, and then fourth letter R, false evidence appearing real. Oh, okay. I like that. <laughs> and that's the perfect example of that. When you're in a state of fear with what we've been talking about or in your individual life, what is that going to do to your plans to move ahead? How is it going to hold you back? If you ask most people, I, I believe this in my experience, uh, whether it's individual and they're personal or in a professional setting, about what is the thing that holds them back f from moving forward and doing something, they'll say, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that if I start this new venture, it's going to fail. I'm afraid that my husband is not going to support me. I'm afraid that I'll get fired. We can keep going. There's so many of these. And it is. Fear is a prevalent, unfortunately, influencer of decision. Now, as we've talked about many times, emotions are not bad. No. They're trying to tell us something. They're trying to inform us. Data, right, Jeff? Mm -hmm. And that data, in this case, could be you should have a healthy fear about the new venture failing. But what you should do is get a mentor or a coach that's going to help you as you're developing your business plan. And that, that fear can lead you to do research, to do – Great, yes. That due diligence. Exactly, okay. exactly. So instead of looking at fear as this thing, I got to go the other way because there's danger, right? It's, it's trying to tell you something. <laughs> and, and I think when we look at it that way, the terrifying nature of it diminishes significantly, significantly. The other part is I think it, it puts people in a position where they begin to settle for uh, an imitation or, or something that's just okay. So instead of proposing my idea that is somewhat riskier than what we've done before, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do one that's safe and has been tried before and has proven that it works. You might on the front side get applause and, and you might find people going, yeah, this is great. But when we do that kind of thing, we put ourselves in a position of building these habits. So when I'm confronted by fear, what do I do? Instead of taking the data, the information that that emotion is telling me, I run to the most convenient and easy solution because that's safer. You know, I'm thinking of it from the business aspect the fear can keep you – you make the decisions, and they're good decisions, developing a new product. Well, I'm afraid to develop that new product because of this, that, and the other thing. So we're going to stick with what we have, and we're making good money and, and all that. But that fear is keeping you from developing that new product, which might be miles ahead as far as serving your client and miles ahead about how much money you're making. Yeah. You're staying in that safe spot. 
And I will tell you, um, and, and as I know you know this, uh, Jeff, and for our audience, the, there's all kinds of examples that we can fill in the blank with this because fear is a sort of an equal opportunity emotion, mm-hmm. right? But the reality of it is, uh, especially, especially in what you're saying there, is that that we hear it often, the fear of the unknown. You know, in our conversations as an organization, we've talked a lot about how do we make something that's sustainable beyond us, mm-hmm. right? And we've talked about AI as a great example. And but quite frankly, Jeff, some of the stuff that I've mentioned about AI, it's not like there's tons and tons and tons of information about what I'm maybe proposing. Now, it's not some fantasy. It's not like I'm saying – sorry, Elon Musk, that we're going to move to Mars for less than $100,000. <laughs> it's nothing like that, but it is different. It is, it is approaching how we interact with people in a way that's more sustainable, considering where we're at today and where more than likely we're going. I could say that's too risky, that's dangerous, it could end up causing major problems, we could go bankrupt, and maybe I go, you know what, maybe if we just do a little bit of this and then repeat what we've done for the last 10 or 15 years, then everything will be okay. There's a, there's a 50th anniversary going to happen in July. Ooh. That is the 50th anniversary of Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. There you go. Landing and stepping on the moon. Would that have happened if they were going from a state of fear? Not and not- I, quite frankly, I, I would be one of the first to say that's, that's a place that I would be really afraid. That's never been done before. How does that work? How do we know? I mean, there's all kinds of things that that, that conjures. I've always been interested in this kind of stuff. So if you go back and look at how they got that end result of those two guys being mm-hmm. on the moon – there was awareness of the dangers, yeah. but they took them one at a time, and they didn't look at any of the dangers as unsolvable. They looked at mm-hmm. them as, okay, we can figure this out, and they did it. And, and I would say for those of you out there from an individual basis, you know, separate work and, and, and maybe that kind of thing, career, getting your arms around fear is going to lead to a better life lived. Um, it just is. And all of us, maybe at one time or another, have heard the, you know, what are the top things that people talk about when they come to the end of their days as far as regrets? Mm-hmm. And typically one of the top ones, if not the top one, is I should have taken more risk, which is ultimately saying I should have tackled my fears and moved forward. And though it's an individual choice to do it, I, I can say for my own life, it's absolutely, absolutely true. Now, I, I just want to make sure of one thing. You're not advocating ignoring fear. You are correct. I am not, underline not, saying to ignore fear. What I'm saying is is that you address fear as an information data giver, if I can say it that way, so that you can make a better decision. It might mean this is truly dangerous. I can tell you for a fact, when I read that story about the runner that killed the mountain lion out in Colorado, he better have felt some fear. Now, he obviously responded in a way that worked out well for him, but that's clear. I would not have expected him to say, oh, there's a mountain lion. Ah, I kill one every day. Let me go see if he wants to take me on. So, so that fear was getting him ready 
to do this. I mean, that was an instantaneous thing. Yeah. Yeah. In that case, but that fear is actually going to give you the information you need to get ready. Yeah, and and, and more than likely, I, I guess I use that example, and, and and maybe not the greatest way that, you know, sometimes it is the best idea to go the other way. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. But let that emotion give you its full amount of data first before you go the other direction. Again, it's just like anything else. And Jeff, I've used this example many, many times, is that if I owned UPS and somebody came into me and said, you know what, we're running 30% longer on deliveries across the board. And here, look at the data. It shows it. And I look at it and I go, it absolutely is true. The first response is not going to be, I quit. I didn't want to do this anyway. I want to get out of here. This is dangerous. Mm-hmm. No, my, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, okay, let's look at this data and figure out how do we improve on this? How do we get this, ourselves back to where we need to be? Yeah, there's certain levels of fear about the data, but at the end of the day, it's trying to tell me something. It's telling me that we're 30% behind, that kind of thing. When you look at fear or any emotion, they go on a continuum. So, you know, fear, usually the first thought is it's something really, really scary, but there could be apprehension, uneasiness. Those are all other things to be aware of. And, and how would you tie that into you know, what we've talked about with emotional intelligence? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm speaking of this from experience, and it's that practice thing. When I've gone through assessments and, and, and the reading around the subject matter and the work that we're doing, it's kind of led me to believe there's a reason, for example, the, the competency of recognizing patterns, Okay, okay, I'll just use that one, Jeff, okay. uh, which falls under our sphere of know yourself within okay. the six seconds model. For me, recognizing patterns is a great tool because it allows me to take a step back and go, okay, typically when I'm in this type of situation, I respond this way or I start to feel this way. And in this case, I usually am afraid. For me, it's liberating to be able to go, ah, I know what that is. I know what typically happens. Then, and I don't want to bore people over with all of the details of the competencies, but then there's the applying consequential thinking, right? Which is one of the competencies. All right, I'm afraid. And I typically get afraid when I'm in this situation. So what is my best course of action recognizing that? oh, wait a minute, what was the outcome from the last time and the time before that? It didn't do me great harm. All right, I'm going to go ahead and move forward because I've got enough data to tell me that it's not as grave as maybe I'm feeling in that six seconds, right, when all that stuff's flowing in my body and my Mm -hmm. mind. So it's things like that that are great tools. I think, Jeff, otherwise we'll become a people or citizens or whatever you want to use to describe us who just get up every day and just react to whatever life throws at them. And living on reaction is not only dangerous, truly dangerous, Mm -hmm. it it leads to a wasted life. You're leaving out your soul. Yeah, a great way to put it. Yeah, exactly. It's very robotic in some senses. Do you have anything that you can relate personally 
Yeah, I was thinking about this as we were preparing. When I was uh, knee-deep in the corporate world many, many years ago, um, and I think it was after my last, I, I affectionately call them corporate bullets, and I'll, I'll unwrap that a little bit here in a second. One of the greatest fears that I had was that I would lose my job, that my job would be eliminated, that the company I was with would merge with another company and they would be the acquirer and they would tell me, we've already got someone that does that. You got to go. And I mean, it was a consistent fear. It lived with me, if not daily, certainly weekly. And it wasn't something I expressed a lot because, you know, we plow through and we try to put our brave faces on that we're okay. Teflon, but it was. Well, guess what? It happened. And I can tell you from experience, right? My corporate life experience, it happened to me five or six times. Now, I know that might elicit some fear for our audience, <laughs> but don't be troubled because it was one of the best things that ever happened to me each of those times. And I have history to look back on. And here's what it taught me. It was not the end of my world. I didn't lose my wife. I didn't lose my children. I didn't lose my family extended. I didn't lose, I didn't lose friends. I didn't, I didn't have neighbors that would go the other direction when I was walking on the street. And quite frankly, at the end of the day, I always found something else. Typically, ladies and gentlemen, the thing that will get you in trouble is doing stupid things. Risk is not usually a tool for everything falling apart. So what it taught me again, Jeff, was that, you know, that fear is there for reasons to tell me. And for me, it was kind of telling me, Eric, what exactly are you afraid of here? What is it that you think will happen? I was honest. And back then I was. What's my wife going to think of me? I'm a failure. What about my friends who, who thought I was the one to watch, and now I'm the one that's been given a <laughs> cardboard box for 10 years' worth of things in my office? That's what I was afraid of. And I learned, and I'm still learning, as we've talked here, give it the time it requires. Examine it. Why am I feeling this? What is it that I'm afraid of? And that's what I did. So though I'm not uh, Superman by any stretch of the imagination, things can go south and spirit of EQ can go south in other areas that I'm involved in. But at the end of the day, I now know I'm not in a position where I've got to be afraid. I, I was thinking of how fear can cause you to miss opportunities. I look back to the first time I ever spoke in front of a group. I was absolutely scared to death. But I did it, got through it, and realized, like you were saying, nothing happened. And I go, okay, now that's one of the things I enjoy probably more than most things is it's fun for me to get up in front of people. And you're good at it. And, and so are you. I think you enjoy it too. But if I would have given into that fear, I would have missed a very important part of my life. You know, that's a great example, Jeff, because if you can imagine, and, and, and Jeff and I, ladies and gentlemen, we did a uh, – and, and we've done this multiple times where we've done these group, uh, not group, but tag team type of speaking events where both of us are, are doing the presentation. And in this particular one recently, it, it went so well. And, and even the way it ended, Jeff 
had a personal story that I knew resonated. I could look at the audience and tell. But imagine for a moment, let's say back when the first time you did it, you decided, I am never going to do this again, ever going to do this again. What would we have missed? What would those audiences have missed if, Jeff, you had given in to the fear? Think in your own lives if if there are things that you didn't do because of fear, how you didn't have a chance to affect other people. And that's not just public speaking, but whatever it is. The fear of helping someone along the road. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and it's, 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 it's a great example. Um, and I think about it. It even plays out in those areas of life where the fear is not enrooted in some great, you know, catastrophe. I know for me, sometimes it used to be, I had a really difficult time when I had someone close to me who had a parent or a relative or a friend that passed away and reaching out to them afterwards. What am I going to say? Mm-hmm. What if I say something stupid? What if, what, what if, what if they ask me for something that I can't give them? I mean, again, these are these things that if you don't stop and evaluate the fear, and for me in that case, it was, Eric, you're not afraid of something dangerous, so to speak. The danger is you're afraid of how you're going to come off. So it's more of a selfish thing. You're concerned that you won't appear a certain way. Go be there for them. It's not about you. It's about them. And it doesn't require a thousand words in a five-minute span. You know, we've talked about the concept of noble goal, and my noble goal is to help people find the art in themselves. Yeah. And so many people are afraid to share that. And when I talk about art, I'm not – it can be art, art, yes. music, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. But what is it at the core of that person that makes them valuable? And many people are afraid to share that. I agree. And, you know, as we're kind of throwing out these tips, Jeff, I, I think, you know, you mentioned the noble goal thing. And the fear of uh, failure, which I know we've tackled in a past episode. Mm -hmm. When you think about it, the culture we live in, and I'm going to speak for the United States. I know we have listeners in other parts of the world, too. But in the United States, we've kind of twisted the model a bit and validated things by something like money, right? Outward appearances. Popularity. Popularity, fame, notoriety. The problem with that is, is that there's such a small percentage of people on the planet that will have all of those lined up. The crazy part is, is that they're really not truly validators. The making of money, and maybe a lot of it, is not necessarily rooted in some unbelievably talented, skilled individual who went out and did X and Y and Z. It could be. But the reality of it to say, okay, is this success something and to the point of the noble goal? That thing that's bigger than me and more than likely will outlast my lifetime. I can tell you guys, your money is not going to outlast you. When, when you're done, guess what? <laughs> my wife and I didn't see the movie when it first came out, but we just recently watched the uh, Welcome to the Neighborhood Welcome to my neighborhood, the Mr. Rogers biography. Oh, yes, yes. If you haven't seen it, see it, you'll cry, I did. But he embodied what we're talking about. He, he went area into areas, it was a kid's show, but he went into areas like death, racism, all these things, you know, death of a pet. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he didn't 
back down from those things because I don't know what how he would have set his noble goal, but his noble goal was to make everyone better around him. His awareness of the people around him was amazing. So he he wasn't afraid to do that, and we'll be talking about Mr. Rogers forever. Yeah, and you know what? Um, I, I would say this certainly for our audience. It's easy when we pull out names that are very recognizable, but there's other Mr. Rogers and Mrs. Rogers mm. all over the world that are doing exactly the same thing he did. And that's one of the reasons why we're tackling this particular subject on this episode is we want to remind you, we want to we want to be that encouragement to you that inside of you is some of the same stuff and fear if not managed can maybe rob you of that. And our hope is is that you'll look at fear again is not a bad thing. But it's something that's trying to tell you something. It's giving you some data so that you can keep moving forward. And I like the way you said that, manage. That means you're using it, but not letting you control. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed this time, Jeff. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for our listeners, and we hope you hear us on our next episode. Thanks. Take care, everyone. Thanks for subscribing and listening to the Spirit of EQ podcast with Jeff East and Eric Pennington. Spirit of EQ is a preferred partner of Six Seconds, the Emotional Intelligence Network. Six Seconds is a nonprofit organization researching what works in emotional intelligence. Best practices are shared through methods and tools that are global, scientific, and transformational. To find out more about Spirit of EQ or to request a speaker, go to spiritofeq.com. Our contact information is in the podcast show notes as well. And now for our special offer. Hi, this is Jeff again. I just want to let everybody know that if you have any questions or want more information about anything we've talked about, just send me a quick email. My email is jeff at spiritofeq.com, and I'll get right back with you. Thanks. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So. Yes. How do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, yes. you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So to we're, hear- we're not the perfect podcast host. We're close. Okay, all but, right, but, but not, still, not totally We want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. 
In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based, and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.